And that's really what it is, you know. It's the uh, microscopic poop that is really helping to benefit the soil. You may be what you eat, but healthy has a different definition for everybody. From Food Equality Initiative, I'm Sophia Gillespie, and welcome to Free From Podcast. To wrap up season two, Food and the Planet, we're taking it back to the basics, soil. That's right, Mother Earth herself. We've explored how good health comes from good food, so now let's talk about how good food comes from good soil. To do that, I've brought in Cham Edisuria of Homegrown Urban. She's a food and health educator who facilitates workshops and strongly advocates for regenerative agriculture and sustainable living practices. But first, a word from a valuable partner of Food Equality Initiative. Hi, I am Ashley, and I am one of the founders of Prevail Jerky. We are here to show you that healthy food can be delicious and top eight allergen free. Delicious, original flavor, umami, spicy. Prevail is high protein, low sugar, low carb, all real ingredients that are organic. You'll find no additives and no preservatives because we really want people to get back to eating real food that heal their bodies from within. Go to our website and click on the locations tab and find a location near you. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Hi, Cham. We're excited to have you on the show. Hi. I don't know hardly anything about farming or, or soil, but I do have a sister who is a landscape architect, and she's always correcting me from saying dirt to saying soil. So can you tell us what is the difference and why that difference is important? Yeah, absolutely. And this is actually something we try to um, teach the children when they do the school tours. And that's one of the biggest educational components on regenerative farms. And to kind of put it simply, soil is alive and dirt is not. And so if you were to look at that, soil has um, microscopic organisms, bacteria, fungi, protozoa, nematodes, and a lot of other things that are decomposing that organic matter. Uh, from plants and any other living organisms that are in the soil. So something like compost is an excellent and kind of well-known matter, right? But when we have these living roots in the ground, if we have plants in the ground, that also is putting a lot of organic matter into the soil. And what that does is it attracts bacteria and other decomposers into the base of that root system. And that also creates kind of an environment in which now you have a lot more living, living beings, really, you know, there's a lot more activity in that soil. And basically what that's doing is as they're decomposing this food, they're pooping it out. And that's really what it is, you know, it's the uh, microscopic poop that is really helping to benefit the soil. And I know it's kind of funny, but that's kind of what we try to tell the children, too. It's like, yep, it kind of is uh, the waste product that is what's really helping to differentiate soil from dirt. And so that's really what it is. So dirt essentially is kind of just minerals. And it's rock, clay, sand, and silt, um, whereas soil has minerals, but it's also organic matter and aerobic organisms that are kind of turning it over. 
And if you look at it alone, you'll see dirt tends to be either dusty or compacted and lighter in shade, whereas soil is going to be really rich and probably moist because it's also helping trap a lot of uh, moisture in there. And there's going to be pockets of air and um, you know especially worms are great for this because as they move through yes they are leaving a trail of their waste but they're also creating these holes which help to aerate the soil and those kinds of little movements throughout the soil is what's going to be important in differentiating that um, dirt versus soil conversation cool so is it kind of like how a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't a square. So I'm thinking soil can be classified as dirt, but dirt is not soil. Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. Well, and I'm imagining all of those different organisms and like you were saying, them leaving waste is kind of what gives also soil its signature smell, right? Where it smells earthy and healthy. Exactly. It just, you know, smells like which I would always say dirt, but no, it smells like soil yeah. because yeah, the dusty dirt roads don't, don't have a smell. They're just, they're just dust. Exactly. And I think that's probably a really good point to make is that, um, you know, oftentimes we refer to when kids get their hands, you know, we say, oh, you're dirty, right? Like, or it's dirt. Don't touch the dirt where we've kind of gotten used to this idea that it's not good for us, that there's something wrong with it. And that really is in a way what we need to move away from because soil is really good and we should protect the soil. And there's a huge movement, you know, safe soil movement. So unfortunately we've associated this concept of dirt as having germs and bacteria and something that's harmful when actually soil is not, it's, completely the opposite. We need all of that, that living matter for our own health. And um, we definitely can get into that a little bit more. Yeah. So I guess that segues really well into the next question of why is healthy soil important? I'm imagining you can't plant, you know, vegetables in a dirt road. It's not going to work. So like, how do those little microorganisms help produce healthy food? Perfectly put. So it's kind of a cycle, like we just talked about a little bit. And, you know, so the healthy soil creates healthy plants and roots. And this provides basically everything we need for our survival. We need air, food, water. So the soil is where all of this starts with. And the health of the soil matters how our climate is responding to. Um, I don't know if you've heard any of these statistics, but we're losing the top layer of our soil pretty rapidly. And there's an estimate that we have only about 60 good harvests left. It's kind of staggering. And, and so is that 60 years, essentially? Or can you do more than one harvest a year? Um, yeah, roughly. I think they're trying to look at it as harvests. Um, you could, like where I live in San Diego, we generally have two harvests. We have a cool season and a warm season. Some states, you really are only having one harvest, but um, I think it also has a lot to do with kind of how rapidly there's erosion happening too. So any kind of severe flooding, raining, anything like that, if there's no roots in the ground, everything is getting washed away. So the more we allow no tilling, not removing any of the living matter on the surface and we cover it with something that's 
putting that energy back into the ground, we're protecting that soil. Um, and so that's kind of where the direction of this movement is going, is kind of educating more people about that. It's making me think about the Dust Bowl. Exactly. I mean, growing up here in the Midwest, I had to learn about that in school and it it came from too much tilling, right? Exactly. Which is the disrupting of the soil in order to prepare it to plant new new vegetables or whatever you're planting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, if you have driven around when they are doing that, you know, when the tractors and the tillers are driving around the farm, you can kind of see these swirls of dust, right? So it's a smaller version of that, but that's exactly what that is. It's they're they're raking that all. And what happens when they're doing that is they're also killing all that bacteria and those organisms that are already in there. They're disrupting their environment. And so that's also contributing once again to this cycle of creating dirt instead of soil. So it's kind of one of those things where <laughs> it's a chain of events, right? So we have to start with one to kind of get back to, in a, in a circular way, to get back to a healthy soil. Yeah, well, and it sounds a bit counterintuitive if we're trying to grow things, but then we're killing the things that are helping us grow what we want to be growing, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not an expert in tilling, but now I'm just very interested in, because <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, you know, I, I grew up in the Midwest. I've seen the, the land be tilled, so it's getting all broken up, and then that means it's ready for you to start planting seeds, but it sounds like that's not the case in the, the no, telling, no tilling movement. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means and where that fits in, in the agricultural sphere? So yes, exactly what you described is how factory farming looks at tilling, um, whereas regenerative agriculture looks at tilling not necessarily as a way to go deep into the layers, of the soil, whereas it's just almost like a scratch. You know, you're just moving maybe some of the weeds aside. You're making a pathway to put in, to remove the old roots and to create a new path to put in the new seeds or seedlings. So what you're, what you're not doing is you're not taking the bottom layer and flipping it now to the top. And what was at the surface is going to the bottom, which you would think is a good thing, but you're not because now you've brought kind of all the, all the, um, activity is getting buried and the inactivity is now at the surface. So you're having to rework, reintroduce all of that back into. So usually uh, regenerative agriculture uses composting, they use um, fertilizer that's usually manure based, um, which can be in the compost or as an additional side dressing, if you will. A lot of times um, some farmers, what they do is when they pull out the plants, they kind of let it rest on the side and that decomposes right next to where the new plants and the seedlings are gonna grow. So it all depends on where in the world you are. There's a lot of different methods, um, a lot of different styles, and that's a good thing, you know, not everybody's doing the same thing. So it kind of varies um, based, maybe even based on how the farmer wants to do it. It sounds like the no-till method is less work? Is that true? Um, no. Or is it just different work? <laughs> I think it is a little bit more work, mainly because um, they're not using heavy machinery uh, and often it is manual labor. So even if it is, you might have a small machine, but a person is 
moving it. It's not these giant tractors that are driving around doing, you know, acres and minutes or anything like that. It's a lot, a lot of manual labor. I see. It's kind of, you know, pun intended, I suppose, taking us back to our roots of farming small scale, right? Absolutely. So how do we determine the health of our soil? What elements within the soil are being measured? Yeah, so this is where I think <laughs> the more um, educated soil scientists can answer that uh, in a very deep way. But there are a lot of farmers and like rege regenerative farmers who are advocating for these practices, exactly what you were saying, you know, to keep the roots um, in the soil. But kind of what I was describing, there's all these stories from around the world and it's pretty amazing. Like it's all by trial and error and everybody's trying out new methods in India, in Kenya, in lots of parts of Africa. Um, in Spain, even in the Midwest, you know, a lot of different farmers are trying out different methods and it is the sharing of these stories of what works for them and seeing that, you know, I did this and this worked. Um, and it's like you said, kind of going back to the roots and different countries and different cultures have different practices and implementing that within their own geographic locations is really uh, proving to be um, very successful. And if I may add that uh, Dr. Elaine Ingram, I don't know if you've heard of her, she is the leading expert on all this and she has put together a amazing free course. Well, the main coursework is paid for, but there's webinars all the time and you can go on YouTube, the Soil Food Web. And she has all these different speakers that come in. I think that's the key is just what they're trying to promote is more people need to understand what's happening and how to protect the soil. So what are some things that we can do on the, you know, non-farming, more consumer side to help improve the soil? Is it, can we do anything physically or is it more just advocacy work and further education? At the moment, I think as a consumer, it is more advocacy work, but also how you spend your money. Um, I think just looking around and trying to see who are your local farmers are there local farmers you can support and then talking to them you know putting a face behind your food because you go to the grocery store and the face you're going to see are the people that work there but they're not the people that are growing your food and i think to know that there is a face behind the person planting your food is going to make you connect a lot more to that food and asking those questions oh what kind of you know farming method do you use is this organic um what are you growing next season just kind of having a relationship with a farmer is going to help us support them number one and number two it's actually going to help us in the long term too you know health wise we are eating local seasonal food and I know that's easier probably for someone like me that lives here in California and we have access to it most of the year. But if you live in a state that there's a lot of farming seasonally in the summer and the fall, that's a great time to support it. Maybe not in the winter, but at least in those seasons where there is an abundance of food, that's the time to get to know your farmer. And I think when you do shop in the grocery store, look for labels such as regenerative, grass-fed, grass-finished, things like that, because those farmers, even though you don't know them, they are doing the work. Can you tell us a little bit 
more about what regenerative means? I know we've kind of thrown that or, that word around so far, but what is regenerative farming and how is it different than, I don't know, traditional or regular farming? Yeah. So, okay. So bear with me a little bit. This is, this is simplistic, but um, I always like to compare things to children. Yeah. I feel like I taught children and sometimes we learn better, but if you picture kind of a children's picture book, right? Um, if you see when they talk about farms, you see a barn, you see chickens, you see goats, you see pigs, you see a farmer walking around, you see a little bit of corn, you see beans, you see flowers, you see butterflies, right? All this kind of stuff where animals are commingling, um, they look happy, right? A lot of times they're pictured as well-fed, happy, kids are playing with them. Now, these are all idealistic images but in a lot of ways this is what regenerative farming is you have a lot of different species of plants and animals in a area it's not very big so you're not going to see acres and acres and acres of land but it could be one it could be two and the way it's divided is all different uh, but a lot of times you're going to see various crops you're going to see flowers Flowers are very important. You're going to see bees, butterfly, insects, birds, and then also animals that come and go. So maybe raccoons, um, bunnies, you know, you're not trying to keep other animals out because this kind of environment of allowing animals to forage benefits the plants and bring in a lot of additional nutrients too through waste. (laughs) It's all about the poop. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really? Well, I mean, I'm just thinking of back to the fairy tale metaphor of of Peter Rabbit not being allowed, <laughs> not being allowed in the garden. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Then then you have things like uh, the scavengers, yeah. the ones that are stealing the food. Exactly, <laughs> eating all the roots from underneath. Right. So that's kind of what regenerative farming could look like. You know, it's just a lot of very peaceful. Um, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, regenerative farms try to use reclaimed water. So sometimes there might be a way in which um, they are collecting water in some areas and then reusing that. Um, Composting is huge. There's also all these other kinds of methods that uh, I don't quite know the names of all of these different terms, but um, just even like using wood chips as mulch and, and that over time decomposes and then you put in a new layer and that becomes the soil for the new plants to grow on. So they're also not the beds, like we talked about, the beds are not tilled. Um, a lot of times there's uh, resting that happens that it's either covered with some kind of fabric or plastic. Unfortunately, plastic is necessary in some cases. Um, so there's a time in which it's rested. And instead of using weed killers, pesticides, fungicides, uh, more natural methods are used. So if you do see that, kind of those long things of plastic, it is to rest or sometimes it is to kill those weeds that could be growing instead of using um, anything chemical. Whereas commercial farming, you're looking at kind of a monoculture. So it's usually just one crop. Um, it's one plow, it's one uh, tiller, it's or maybe multiple you know, um, you're not seeing people putting in the plants. It's all done by machinery. And like you described, 
with the dust bowl, there's a lot of kind of soil turnover and dust being moved around. So it's a kind of a crude description in a way, but that's kind of the basics of how regenerative farming could look differently than traditional farming. Well, and it's weird to even use those words because when I'm thinking of traditional farming, I am thinking of old McDonald's farm where all the animals are singing. Exactly. <laughs> and and then now I think it's kind of sad because lots of generations of people have grown up with this industrialized farming as the only type of farming. Right. When really traditional farming is, is what regenerative farming. Regenerative yeah. farming used to be. Yeah, exactly. That's what it used to be. So it is interesting that we are coming up with new terms for old concepts. Yeah. And it's really after the world wars, you know, that we had an excess of all these chemicals that needed to be used and um, it kind of got turned into fertilizer and then, you know, what? And then that goes down into a path of politics. Oh my gosh. I guess they're like, well, we've got yeah. to use it. Wow. Yeah. But the problem with a lot of those chemical fertilizers is that, you know, you have pesticides, you have herbicides, fungicides, larvicides. Um, there's another something side. But all these things get sprayed on the plants. And ultimately, what's happening, right? It's going into the soil. It gets washed off. It goes into our waterways. Now, all of a sudden, it's going back up into the air. We're breathing it. We're drinking it. It's going back into our bodies. It's part of the food that we're consuming, and it's going into us. So really, that's part, that's the biggest problem that we have with traditional farming is that it's killing us. You know, It's making us unhealthy, and it's not just about farming. It's about the health of the planet. And our own health and really they are completely dependent upon each other and so if we want to be healthy ourselves i think taking a look at farming and how food is produced is going to help this climate crisis also and we could actually take care of both of the same things at the same time you know we could have personal accountability for our health while also having some kind of accountability for planetary health. Yeah, we can't exist without our planet. Meanwhile, our planet can exist without us. So it is vital to recognize our level of importance on that scale. Exactly. And so to bring us back to what we can do as consumers, in your opinion, what is something everyone should know about their food? Or what are some good questions people should be asking about their food? First of all, I think you have to look at your food as food, meaning is it a plant or is it a packaged good? Because we have changed our concept of food from produce to something microwavable, something that you can open a box and heat up, you know, things like that. And that is a product of traditional farming that oftentimes is these monocrops, these um, pesticides-laden foods. And if we move away from consuming those products and we go heavy into produce, we will naturally want to eat a better quality food. So if you are going to make a change, I'd say start to eat more fruits and vegetables, really. And you will see that, one, you're going to feel a lot better Two, you're going to be a lot more discerning about what kinds of food you're going to put in, you know, like strawberries. They're loaded. They're so porous that if strawberries are sprayed, you're just consuming that. 
So wanting to have more organic strawberries, strawberries, or just strawberries that are not sprayed, you know, and that's another thing is for a farm to get that organic certification or the, the process of becoming organic is so costly that a lot of small scale farms cannot afford that. So just dismissing, let's just say you're at a farmer's market and you go and you ask a vendor, you say, oh, are you organic? And they say, no, it's the worst thing you can do to just walk away. You know, it's one, it's rude, but two, you have to ask, you have to ask more questions. Okay, what are your practices? Do you spray? Do you use any kind of fun uh, herbicides, pesticides? That's going to give you more answers. And if a farmer says, no, we don't, but we're not organic, then that's your answer, right? So organic is just a legal classification? Exactly. Really? Yeah. Like you can't call sparkling wine champagne if it's not Correct. from the champagne region of France. Correct. Oh, yeah. interesting. It's it's a big, um, it has become, <laughs> in a way, a, a money-making industry that bigger companies that can afford that label pay into it. And also to become organic, I think it's um, five years the soil has to become, you know, um, it, it takes a five-year process to start. So a, a farm that's maybe a second year in can't call their their, their food organic. They're maybe not doing anything. They may be not using any chemicals or anything like that, but it's, um, it's not as easy for them. So, and if they're not making as much money, it doesn't make sense for them to then go in and put into getting this, this label. Interesting. I definitely didn't know that. It is all about education. And that's something I'd imagine most people don't know. I just assumed when something was labeled organic, it meant all the other items must not be organic. I guess it's kind of a greenwashing in a way where it's making things that are more sustainable, once again, less accessible to people who really need them and to people who are trying to make a difference. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, for example, the farm that I took my classes at and I get my CSA box, a multiple of them, They've ne none of them have ever been legally organic because they cannot afford that. But I know the farms. I've worked there. I know what they do. There's nothing, there's nothing sprayed on them, you know, so I trust it. I, tr I know what's happening. And yes, I sometimes open up my kale and there's a couple of little green things <laughs> wiggling around my countertops, you know, but that's part of it. So a lot of people have trouble with that. They don't want to open up their lettuce and see a slug in there because they're like, they throw the whole thing away. They buy something and if there's any kind of mold, they're so upset about it and they throw it away. Well, if your food is going to go bad quickly, it's actually a good sign. Yeah, I was going to say, if the bugs are wanting to eat it, then doesn't that generally mean it's some good food? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, a lot of people joke saying, oh, extra protein. You don't have to consume <laughs> it. You know, it is extra work. That's the other thing, right? You might have to spend a little bit more time washing that, soaking that and preparing it, it's, it doesn't come in a package that you can open up and it's all done for you. I remember as a kid coming to that realization that, you know, like an apple comes with its own packaging. It has a protective skin around the outside. And the same can be said with pretty much all produce. Exactly. And a lot of times that is what is the healthiest for us to eat. A lot of times, I don't know if when you were a kid, people would peel it, right? And then you give it to the kid. All the nutrients are on the outside. 
But the reason a lot of people do it is because, oh, that's spray. There's chemicals on it, so we need to peel it and get to the inside. Well, the protective coating is basically the skin. That's where all the sun is interacting with the plant and all those nutrients are on that surface. It's creating this block. And so much of that is what's good for our bodies. So, you know, again, to go back to that, like what's healthy for us is also good for the plant. We are hand in hand. It, it really comes down to you are what you eat and yeah. you should be eating the good stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're all biological beings. You don't ever want to offend anybody by saying that, but you know, like we eat good food. We can build a healthy body. We eat cheap food. We're building a cheap body. I mean, it's a, it's a body that is not going to work for us in the long term. And that is a whole, I, I mean, I know you guys have done a lot about that uh, conversation about, you know, food disparity and the economics of food and stuff. So that's a tough one. Yeah. The more I dig into it, it feels like the more things I uncover and realize how vast the food system is and how many other areas of life it impacts. Mm -hmm. You can't get away from it. Like we all have to eat. There's no option. So it really is important that we all be educated about how we're using and distributing our resources. Yeah. Exactly. Cham, thank you so much for coming on Free From Podcast to talk about soil and how we can improve our health through consuming foods grown from healthy soil. It's been a great full circle with you. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Sponsored by Food Equality Initiative, I'm Sophia Gillespie, and this has been Free From Podcast. Please visit foodequalityinitiative.org to learn more and make a contribution to further our fight for nutrition security and health equity. Thanks for listening.